your Bibles, let's go to the book of Numbers tonight. And if you are here tonight or listening to us by way of live stream, we, uh, of course, are going through Route 66. And, of course, this is the 66 books of the Bible. And you notice all the different books there on the screen. These are the, the books of the Old Testament. I mentioned uh, this morning we've already kind of done the overview and that's what this is. It's just an overview. A lot of folks have been enjoying just getting familiar with these books of the Bible. There's, the Word of God is so rich. And, uh, and so uh, I, I have to apologize. Everybody always comes up to me afterwards on Sunday night. Pastor, you talk so fast. You gave so much information. I apologize in advance. All right. Uh, but do the best you can. And again, I, I just try to pack as much in as I can. You guys can come on up, or you need your daughter, or whatever. You got it? Good deal. All right. And, uh, and so we want to try to make sure we cover this. And uh, so follow along in the notes tonight. But the, the book of Numbers is where we are tonight. And notice here, by way of introduction, I always give a little title to the book uh, that we're studying. And, of course, tonight the book of Numbers is the book of Pilgrimage. And uh, the word pilgrimage, another word for that would be journey or journeys. And this is the fourth book in the section known as the Law, or the fourth book of what is called the Pentateuch. So if you notice on the screen there, the word penta means five, and then, of course, tuch means five things, or in this instance, five books. And, of course, God allowed Moses to record, and I mean, when you think about it, if you've read through these books, and... I've been doing the best I can. I hope maybe you've been doing the same thing, reading through some of these books as we are studying them. And uh, boy, there's so many things that, that Moses, uh, you know, God gave him to write, to record. And of course, uh, next week will be in the last of these five books, the book of Deuteronomy. So you can go ahead and start reading on that this week. But when you think about these books, I want you to look here in your Bible and notice if you look in chapter number one, it, the Bible says here, as this book gets started, it says, The Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness, and we'll talk about that, they were in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tabernacle, God, the Lord spoke unto Moses in the tabernacle of the congregation on the first day of the second month, in the second year, after they were come out, of the land of Egypt. And of course, that was the Exodus. And then look at verse number two. Here's what God said. Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel after their families by the house of their fathers with the number of their names, every male by their poles from 20 years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war in Israel, thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies. So we find here, and we'll get into it in just a minute, the numbering, okay? Now, go back to your introduction here. When you think about this book, the, the Hebrew title for the book of Numbers is a book that is entitled In the Wilderness, all right? In the Wilderness, the book gets its name Numbers, from what is known as the Septuagint. Now, if you're not familiar with the word Septuagint, what it is, is it's actually the Greek version of the Hebrew Bible. So 
Again, remember that the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, was given in the Hebrew language, and there were many Greeks, of course, that were trying to understand. I mean, aren't you glad that, uh, I know whenever I was a kid, of course, my Catholic background, when my mom went to school, school was in Latin. Does anybody remember that? And there was, a, and my mom used to tell me about that, and I said, well, mom, how did you do? And she said, we struggled. Uh, aren't you glad that God has allowed his word to be translated into our language <laughs> to where we can understand it? How many of you have ever really seen the, the, the 1611 King James Bible, the 1611? Have you ever tried to read it? Uh, it's quite the chore because some of the letters, ends uh, look like V's, and boy, it's, it's really, uh, you talk about King's English, all right? And so when we think about this uh, numbers from the Septuagint, from the Greek version of the Hebrew Bible, it is called numbers for the two numberings of the people. And of course, one of them we just barely touched on there, chapters 1, where we were, all the way to chapters 14. You see that first numbering, and then there's a second numbering toward, not at the end, but towards the end of the book, and that is in the plains of Moab about 39 years later, and that happens in chapter number 26. So there are two numberings. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But we find that the second of these numberings were after the first generation of Israelites, the Bible says, failed to enter into the promised land. And of course, they died as a result of their disobedience. And so when I look at this book and I see numbers, all right, the numberings, why did God order a numbering or a census? And the Bible says this in Numbers chapter 1 in your notes, verse 45. So were all those that were numbered of the children of Israel, and we just read this, by the house of their fathers from 20 years old and upward, all that were able to go forth to war in Israel, even all they that were numbered were 600,000, and 3,550. Now, I think we have a slide here that just kind of shows the placement, and, uh, and, and maybe Ernie can help me just a little bit here. But if you notice right in the center, all right, it says tabernacle, okay? It's a little yellow, th thank you, there you go. And so if you notice here, you have the sons of Aaron, and of course Moses and the priest here uh, on the east side. And so you see here that you have the sons because they were not numbered, the Levites were not numbered amongst the, the tribes. And of course, you have the 12 tribes. So notice over on, on, on my right, you have the camp of Judah. You have Judah, Iskar, and Zebulun. And these are how many were numbered of each one of those tribes. Over on the other side, you have the camp of Ephraim, which has the sons of Joseph. And of course, uh, you see Ephraim there, Benjamin, Manasseh, and Ephraim, and the, the numbers that were numbered among them. And then go either top, bottom, or get it small. There you go. Then the camp of Dan with Asher and Naphtali and the numbers of them in the north. And this is how the camp was set up. And then down in the south, we have Gad, Simeon, and Reuben. These are all the sons and the, the tribes of Israel in the camp of Reuben. And so notice each one of them, zoom out just to where we can see the whole thing again. You see all the numbers here, 151,000. You see 108,100, 157,600. 186,400, so if you do your math, basically what you come up to is what the Bible says here, 600 and, 
3,550. These were the ones that were 20 years of age and upward, those that were able to go to war. So every time that, uh, go back to that last slide, every time the, the camp was set up, this is how it was set up every time. Uh, they knew their place. They knew positionally where their tribe was going to be. So what would happen is, is the Bible says that as long as God came down in the tabernacle, the people didn't go anywhere. But when God came, went up from the tabernacle, they packed up shop and they, they traveled, they journeyed, they wandered until the Lord had them stop. And when they stopped, I mean, this picture doesn't do justice because then the, what they did was they had to set up everything, including the tabernacle, everything about the tabernacle, all the furnishings about it, and then they had to set up their camp around that tabernacle. And so, again, look at this. If God is in the tabernacle and God is in the Holy of Holies, then notice the entire camp, the people are around God. What is the center of the camp? It was God. What should be the center of our lives? God. Nothing has changed positionally. We need to make sure that Christ is at the center of our lives. And so I want you to get a visualization. Go to that next slide. If you were to go up, as you see this man on a mountain looking down, this is what you would see. This is what it would look like from maybe a bird's eye view, how you see the tabernacle there and you see, the, of course, the smoke ascending. You see the, the, the Levites around it, and of course, the small group with Moses and, and Aaron. And then you see the tribes positionally. And by the way, does anybody notice what shape it's all in? Go ahead and say it. A cross, right? And what's interesting is when you look at the numbers, because a cross usually is longer this way than it is this way, if you look at the numbers that make up the tribes, there's more numbers of those that come down, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun, and those actually make a longer group, which really gives you a beautiful picture of the cross. Now, there's so much. I'm barely scraping the surface, folks. That study right there, you could spend forever on, and there are so many neat things that you can get out of that study, and I hope maybe you'll, you'll just get a little deeper on your own. But the placement and the numbering of the camp around the tabernacle, again, was by their generations, after their families, by the house of their fathers, according to the number of the names from 20 years of age and upward, all that were able to go forth to war. Now, what I think is neat is that they wandered around for about 39 plus years in the wilderness. And when you come to chapter 26, guess what? There's another numbering of the people. The neat thing about it is, is that the numbering, when you go to chapter 26, instead of 603,550 in the first census, you get to the second numbering, listen to the number, 601,730. That's only 1,820 people less after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. No hospitals, no doctors, wandering around in the wilderness. And yet 1,820 people after 40 years of wandering around. You know what that shows me? That shows me the faithfulness of God to his people. That God will take care of us. 
And what a neat thing it is that, that we see this, and I think it's a great way for us to look at the book of Numbers and really what uh, we see surrounding this book. Now, how does this book connect with the preceding book? Well, a couple things that we can look at is when you look at the book of Numbers, really the book should be read in connection with the book of Exodus, the book of Leviticus, and then also the book we're going to look at next week, the book of Deuteronomy. Now, Exodus tells of Israel's arrival in the wilderness of Sinai in the third month after the Hebrews left the land of Egypt. From the third month to the twelfth month, they actually received the law. Remember, they were at Mount Sinai, and Moses went up and received the law from God. The instructions also on how to build the tabernacle, and they received the directions concerning the many details of the sacrificial system that was set forth in the book of Leviticus. We talked about that uh, last week. Now, when you come to the book of Numbers, the people of Israel in this book, they are taught how to function as a camp. Now, again, we need, we need this in our lives. How do we function? Uh, how does God want things to be? Their religious, civil, and military economies are set in order and watch this, they're set in order in preparation for their journeys and in preparation for their worshiping God and in preparation for their conquering as a nation. See, everything was going to happen. Uh, it's just like, uh, listen, preparation always precedes blessing. You have to prepare yourself if you want the fullest of God's blessing in your life. That's why we need to make sure that we are being obedient. We're reading God's word. Listen, God can't bless you unless you're preparing your heart. When, you, when it takes time uh, to sit down and study and read the word of God, look, don't just open the Bible like it's another book. It's not another book. It's the book of God. It's God's word. Prepare your heart. That's why we have music in church. It's not so that we can have noise. It's to prepare our hearts to receive the message from the word of God. And so when we look at this book, God was going to give them some economies, a religious economy, how to worship God, a civil and military economy. Why? Because they were going to go into a land that God was going to give them, and they were going to have to do battle with those in that land. Joshua and the battle of Jericho. I mean, all of these enemies that they would face. Well, listen, we're not going taking cities today but every day, the battle is real in our lives, just like it was in their day. And we understand that we need to make sure that we are prepared. Why? Because our journey, you know what it is called? It's called life. And what God wants us to do is be prepared in our hearts when we come to worship him. And God wants us to be prepared whenever it comes to doing battle. Why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And God says, listen, you need to understand, I'm trying to give you instruction in my word how to function. That's why this book is so very important. Now, in your notes, Exodus concentrates, that book concentrates on the deliverance from Egypt, the, the, the covenant that he gave them at Mount Sinai, and of course the erection of the tabernacle. He, he put all of that together in the book of Exodus. Leviticus then picks up where Exodus left off. Leviticus highlights the nature of true worship and holiness. Remember, God is a holy God. 
when we approach him, we need to make sure that we're right in our hearts, right with God, right with other people. When you get to the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers focuses on the land of promise and how Israel then would journey to that land of promise. And we see that. Notice also that uh, that, that uh, Leviticus, if we go back to that book, emphasizes the importance, again, of holiness and cleanness being right in our hearts, but then Numbers reiterates the value of faith and obedience. We need to make sure, again, that we have faith in God, just like I was talking about Marie Chen this morning and their family, trusting God, having faith in God, obeying God, even when we don't understand it. Listen, we don't have to understand it all, we just need to make sure that we are obeying the Lord. And then notice also that Leviticus stresses the role of sacrifice in creating and maintaining right relations between God and man. But when you come to this book we're at tonight, Numbers accentuates the indispensability of the priesthood for the preserving of the nation's spiritual health. So God was the one that designed the priesthood now, if you think about this New Testament time we live in right now, there is not per se the priesthood that you would see in the Old Testament because the Bible says that we are a, a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, that we, every one of us that are believers in Christ, we now have access that we can come directly to God, we can come into the presence of God, the Bible says boldly, we can approach the throne of God. And so it's a different time we're living in. By the way, I'm glad that I can go to God myself. I'm glad that I don't have to go to someone else, and hopefully that person then gets to God for me. And listen, a lot of times in the Old Testament, that's what they did. They brought the sacrifices to the priest, and you still see many religions today that are still trying to practice this, but again, they've missed the most important thing, and that is that we have a high priest, his name is Jesus Christ, who went into the Holy of Holies, and he gave his life, and he spilled his precious blood so that all of us could have access to God. The veil of the temple was rent in two, and we now can enter in boldly. And I'm glad that I live now and instead of the Old Testament era. And so there's, there is a connection with the preceding book or books that we need to be aware of. Now, there are some theological themes that run throughout the book of Numbers, and I want to give you three of them. The first one we see running throughout the book of Numbers is the character of God, especially because God is revealing himself in punishing the wicked. And this is something, there's children in here tonight, I think those kids understand, and us older folks that used to be kids, we understand that if we're going to disobey, we're going to be uh, little rebels, then if we have parents that love us, they are going to deal with us. And listen, the Bible says that God loves us, and whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth. And God has never been happy when his children disobey, and they live a, a wicked, sinful lifestyle. And so in this book, one of the themes is the character of God. And God is holy, and God is just, and so God will punish the wicked, that's one theme you see. And I've given you some references there. You can look those up yourself in, in your notes there and in the Word of God. The second theme that we see is the land as it has been given to Israel by the Lord. Now remember that Job said, I came into this world with nothing and I'm going to leave this world with nothing. So anything that we have while we're in this world, it's all by the good hand of our God. Uh, all good gifts come down from above. Uh, you know, God has been so good to us. 
And if we have a house and we have money in the bank and we have a job and whatever, it's all because of the grace of God and the goodness of God. He daily loadeth us with benefits, but God has given Israel the land, and notice he wants the land to be a holy land, and that land will be Israel's permanent possession. And that is something that, that is still being fought over today. There has always been such a conflict over in the land of Israel because everybody wants that little piece of real estate. And it's always going to be that way until the Lord comes back. But remember, God has promised that land to the nation of Israel. And then a third theme that we see through the book of Numbers is Israel being the people of God, people who reflect God's holiness and people who are faithful in their lives. And that's what God is still looking for today is God wants us to reflect him, that our lives, that people would see Christ in us and Christ through us. And so much of these principles in the Old Testament are still coming to light in the New Testament. Of course, we are not Israel, but we are believers in Christ, and God wants us to be reflections of him. That's why we call ourselves Christians, because a Christian means to be like Christ, all right? So there are some theological themes that run through the book of Numbers. Now, the contents of the book historically, the Numbers continues where Exodus left off. It's the story of the wilderness wanderings of a people that have been redeemed by the grace of God, but they failed to enter into the promised land at a place called Kadesh Barnea. And so we find that this is what goes on. And we have it in your, uh, I think in your outline, I think it's on the back page. Do you have this chart on your back page? I, I included the chart. And uh, listen, by the way, uh, a pastor's trying to be nice, but I had a few people that said, Pastor, listen, that you go through that so fast, and that would be a nice, helpful tool. So I included that. You're welcome. And, uh, and so I also have here, I have uh, the one from Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. I'm going to give this to you after we're done tonight. So listen, I'm going to try to do this every week so that you have one of these and you can go back over it. Now, you can look at yours or you can look up at the screen, either one. But notice again, as you go from chapters 1 to chapter 9, you see that they spend just a few weeks in preparation to make the journey. They're doing some inventory. They're purging some things. They're getting ready, getting final instructions. They're still at Mount Sinai. And then God begins to move. And so they pack up the camp. Notice they begin their journey heading towards Moab, and you see again for about 39 years, they wander around, and uh, this takes place all the way to about chapter 22, and then the end of the book, and of course this is the section which deals with that third numbering, uh, go down just a little bit if you can, Ernie, notice chapter 26, see people numbered the second time, so here they are in the land of the plains of Moab, and, of course, this is the gate to the land. They're about ready to go in. That's what the book of Deuteronomy and the books beyond that are going to get into. But notice down, go down a little bit. Notice it says some new, no, the other way. Uh, you're down is my up. And so new problems, uh, things start to happen, and there are some final preparations, and then there are some things they need to take care of. But, again, this only is about a few months' time span. So all in all, it's about 40 years uh, that they spend here in the book of Numbers. And so we want you to make sure that you have that and you can maybe take some time. You can use that even while you're reading through this book. The character of the book is it's a historical book, all right? 
There are a lot of things dealing with the history of the nation of Israel. The subject is Israel's preparation for their wilderness journey. Again, making preparations for entering into what we call the land of promise or the promised land. The purpose of the book, always, always good to know, why did God give us this book in the Bible? Well, here it is. It's a simple to teach us, us how God would lead us through the place of testing into the place of blessing, and he does that as we trust him, as we believe in him. Hey, listen, it's still the same in the Christian life today. Is God is going to lead us, there's going to be many trials, many temptations. They may not be what the children of Israel faced in the wilderness, but we will be led by God. Listen, folks, we need to be like the psalmist said, lead me, O Lord. Now, what happens is, is that we want to take that little phrase and we want to flip it around to where it says, me lead, O Lord. See the difference? Lead me, O Lord, and me lead, O Lord. We need to make sure that we're letting God lead the way because God always knows what's best. And that's the purpose behind the book of Numbers. Uh, outlined is in three, place, uh, three parts. The first one is the encampment. And of course, here they are at the beginning of the book, still at Mount Sinai through chapter number 10. The organization of the camp, again, they're trying to get things together. They're, they're purifying the camp. They're going to consecrate the camp or set the camp apart for God. Again, remember the focus, the center of the camp is God. And then, of course, then at the end of the, the first section is how the camp will move and how this all takes place, which takes us to the second part, which I called the march into the wilderness. They pick up camp. They begin to move. Now, notice the three areas. They take off from Mount Sinai, heading to Kadesh or Kadesh Barnea, and then they are there at Kadesh Barnea in and around that area. And then the third section is they go from Kadesh Barnea all the way up to the plains of Moab, which takes you to the third section. And simple outline is the encampment. There they are. They're in the plains of Moab from chapters 22 to about chapters 36, the end of the book. And while they're there, notice in this section, there's some attempts to destroy Israel, and that's some of the new problems that was on your, your outline. And then the new beginning that we'll see in chapters 26, they numbered the people, and then the conquest, and they begin to settle. But watch this, on the east side of Jordan, okay? And we'll talk a little bit more about that next week as they cross over. And then the remembrance and the hope that they have as they go into the promised land. Now, here's the thing is, remember how they numbered them. From what age and up? What age? 20 years of age and up. Now watch this. And what happened to all the rest of them? What happened to everyone that was older? Come on, what happened to them? They died, right? They died. So, so when, when you talk about a new beginning, think about this. They're getting ready to go into the land that God's promised them. And why, why, we're going to see this in just a minute, why am I emphasizing this? Because it's all the young ones that are left because all the disobedient ones are no longer there. See, a lot of people don't think about that, how it's a younger generation. That's why I'm excited to see young couples. I'm excited to see teenagers. I'm excited that there's kids in the house of God. 
I love older folks, but here's the thing is, is God is going to do his work and God will use young and old alike. And we need to realize that many times we discount somebody because of their age. And listen, Paul had to encourage Timothy. You know, Timothy, I know you're young, but you just do what God's called you to do. And can I tell you, don't wait until you're old until you want to serve God. Start serving the Lord while you're young. I'm encouraging you tonight that this is something that we see from the book of Numbers. Now, look at the scope of the book. The events recorded in Numbers covers a period of about 40 years, and you saw that. Uh, I, I don't think, do I have a map? There you go. All right, so look at this map. We've been showing this before he zooms in. If you look at the, uh, my top left, which probably would be yours too, there they are in, in the land of Goshen, of course, up in, up in Egypt's land. They start to make their way down. Of course, they're down, down here to the Mount Sinai, which is where they made it to, and they spent all the time there. Now, Ernie, zoom in like we talked about, and so here they are. Now they're going to begin in the book of Numbers. They're going to make their way up, go, go up a little bit more so we can see the top. There's Kadesh Barnea right there, and then notice, it, it, so it looks like they're just going in circles. Exactly. They're wandering around. And, and so you find here that as they come back down south and then they begin to make their way, notice Moab up there, up in the north, and this is eventually where they make it as they get to the end. And then, of course, you can see the Jordan River up there and the crossing, which we'll get into. But this is, this is an amazing thing because when you look at these events, it was a period of about 40 years. Now look at this verse here, Numbers 32, 13. The Lord's anger was kindled against Israel. And he made them, he made them wander in the wilderness for how many years? For 40. God made them. Get that. Okay? They didn't just, God, this was something that God made them do. And he made them wander around until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. God says, okay, that's the way you want it to be then this is the way it's going to be. See, God will be God. A lot of times we think we're going to do what we want, but I look at those words again, that he made them wonder. Why? Because his anger was kindled against them. We need to make sure that what we do, the life we're living, is pleasing in the sight of God. And, and I would not want this, because when you look at it, I, I was reading, it's about 150 miles somewhere between 150 and 200 miles from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. Can you go back to that map, Ernie? Yeah, there you go. So, so look at this. From Mount Sinai down here up to Kadesh Barnea, that's somewhere between 150 and 200 miles. Now, I don't know if you like to walk or if you ever walk. And, of course, understand the terrain in that. But they, the Bible actually says that a journey like this that you could have made that journey in 11 days. 11 days. Look at the verse here in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse number 2. There are 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. 11 days. And yet it took them so long to make that journey. Uh, go back. I, I should have had you stay there. That, that map back there again. Uh, let's see if it's on there. No, it's not on there. About, if you can see down here, Mount Sinai, and you start to make your way north, uh, about where that number 10 is right there, 
That's actually the first stop that they made as they were, they were heading up. That, that's that's the, uh, the area known as Kibroth. It was, it's, they spent 30 days at Kibroth, and that was the first place they stopped. And while they were there, the Bible describes that they were craving meat. You know, I just read that again today, how they were craving meat. And so the Lord gave them the meat that they were craving. And what did they do? They did like most of us uh, oftentimes do. When they saw this meat, they began to overindulge. Matter of fact, they ate so much of it that many of them died. Kibroth means graves of craving. Graves of craving. It means to lust, to be gluttonous. And so here they are. You see this map. They spent 40 years on a journey that should have taken them 40 days. Wow. You know, I, I, I've been lost a few times. I'm glad I have a wife that knows directions. I'm challenged sometimes when it comes to it. But that would have been a hard one even for me. 40 years to go 40 days. And, and so at Kadesh Barnea, they, they walked, their walk was turned into wanderings. And they did not advance an inch after Kadesh Barnea, at the end of their wanderings, they came right back to the same place, all right? Thank you, Brother Ernie. And so notice the writer again, who was it that God used to write this? Of course, Moses. This is the fourth book of the law, the fourth book of the Pentateuch. It's written primarily to Israel and again to the nation. When was it written? Well, again, based on the last book that we looked at, this was probably somewhere between 1428 and 1407 B.C., and where was it written? It was written, many believe, after the Israelites reached the plains of Moab is when it was probably written. The key chapter to the book of Numbers is chapter number 14. That's where you find this matter of unbelief that took place at the area known as Kadesh or Kadesh Barnea. And, uh, of course, you find the key verse is chapter 33 and verse number 1. And look at the verse. These are the journeys of the children of Israel which went forth out of the land of Egypt with their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. And so these are the journeys. These, this, this is the pilgrimage, the wandering about them. Now, the key word is the word sojourn. And the word sojourn is just a, here, here's what it means. It's a temporary stay. And that's, that's really, uh, listen, you, you, you know the songwriter wrote the song, This world is not my what? Home, I'm just passing through, right? Where is our home? It's in heaven, right? And so we're not staying here. Uh, you know, think about that the next time you place so much value on the things of this life. I mean, folks, look, I've seen it many times. Family members, my mother and father passed in the last two years, and everything that they had is gone. You know, nothing in this world is going to last forever. But what we do for the Lord will last for all of eternity. And so we need to make sure that we have eternal values. The key phrase to the book of, of Numbers is, these are the journeys. We just saw that in chapter 33 and verse number 1. The key thought, watch this, the training of the nation Israel. Now it's interesting, look at the focus here. I think I include this in your notes. The book of Genesis gives God's covenant that he made with Abraham and his seed. That's what you see when you get to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, the very first book in the Bible. Then you go to the book of Exodus, and God deals with giving the law. The law is proclaimed, and the tabernacle was then built, and then it was set up. All right, That takes place 
in the book of Exodus. The book of Leviticus, the focus is on the priesthood and how that those priests had to be consecrated. We just saw how they were not included in the numbering of those 20 years of age and upward, those that were able to go to war, because God had something specific for them. The book of Numbers, we see, is the nation being trained in the laws and ceremonies. Now, why were they having to be trained? Well, again, because all the other people were gone. And so this is the responsibility to train the next generation. Well, guess what our responsibility is still today? Is to train the next generation. That's why I love to see kids in church because, look, it's wonderful to have children's classes and children's church, but kids need church as much as adults do. And by the way, aren't our kids doing great tonight sitting here? They're taking notes. They're writing things down. They're listening. Kids get it. We oftentimes underestimate a child, and it's wonderful to see that training needs to take place. Well, what were they teaching them? What were they training them? The laws that God had given. They were teaching them the ceremonies. You know what happens when we don't educate the next generation? They don't know the Word of God. They don't know the laws of God, the ceremonies of what God's given. That's why God's given us the responsibility. And listen, we've almost lost this concept. The responsibility belongs, first of all, in the home. That father and mother are to teach their children. Listen, mom and dad, don't dish off your responsibility to the school or to the church. Now listen, I, I hope you're understanding that your children are in a church right now that is a Bible-believing church, that we're going to teach your children the Word of God, but ultimately the responsibility lies in your home. We also know that unless your child is attending a Christian school, that chances are they're not going to find out a whole lot about God when they go to school. Because what the schools have tried to do and the government's tried to do since the early 60s is to remove God and prayer and the Word of God and they've done a pretty good job of doing that. That's why we need to make sure that we're educating our children. By the way, if you haven't noticed, if you look at a history book that children are using today, a lot of history, important history, foundational history for our nation, it's no longer in the history books, folks. See, they're rewriting everything. But one thing we need to make sure they never rewrite is the Word of God. We need to teach this to our children by the way, our children's children sometimes too. And I hope that if you have grandchildren, you'll take the time to teach your children. Now, here's what the children of Israel did. They refused to go into the promised land. I said earlier at Kadesh Barnea, the reason they refused was because of unbelief. Uh, the wilderness wandering is declared. And, and interesting, here's what happens. God gives them one year for each day that they took to spy out the land. Remember the story where he sent in how many people? Twelve, right? And listen, you ever heard that, that song about the spies? How many, boys and girls, how many were bad? And how many were good? Two. How many of you know that song? Brother Kenny, how's it go? Ten were bad and two were, how's it go? There you go. How, you, know, you guys know that one? You sing that one back there? You should. All right, you lead it next Sunday, Zeke, okay? All right, that's, that's a good one. Now listen, how many were bad? Ten. And how many were good? Anybody remember the names of the two? Joshua and Caleb. Ten were bad and two were good. They went in and they spied out. So notice what it says in Numbers 14, 34. 
after the number of the days in which ye searched the land, and God says, in case you're wondering how long they, they spied out the land, here it is, even 40 days, each day for a year shall ye bear your iniquities, even 40 days, and ye shall know my breach of promise. So look, they, they hurt themselves. They spent so long searching out the land, and God says, because of your unbelief, he says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a year for every day that you took. And that's why they wandered around for 40 years. They brought that upon themselves. Now, when you think about the training of this nation and God teaching them the laws and the ceremonies, the training was necessary, again, because all who left Egypt except for Joshua, Caleb, and all those that were 20 years of age and up, they all died in the wilderness. The training was necessary for the new generation who was to have national responsibility in the conquest and the settlement in the area known as Canaan's land. So again, think about this, was they were going to look to this next generation. Look, I understand the next generation, whatever they're calling it now, I've lost track of Generation X and the Millennials and this and that and whatever, but I'm going to tell you something. Look, we, we who are older have a responsibility to train the next generation. Well, that means we need to know the truth, and we need to help those behind us. And so listen, if God has given you maybe understanding, then be a part of passing on information that will help the next generation to live for the Lord and to make their journey as we've made ours. Now, the spiritual thought for the book of Numbers, get somewhere by the grace of God. I mean, people wandering around, you run into people nowadays and you're like, hey, what are you going to do with your life? Well, I don't know. Well, when you, when you graduate, what are you going to do? I don't know. You know, where, where you see yourself in 20 years? Well, I don't know. You know. People just wandering around. You know, there's 30 and 40-year-olds still living with their moms and dads. You know, they, they don't have a clue what they're going to do. You know, we've got adults playing video games. You know, get somewhere with God. Do something for the Lord. Uh, listen, find purpose, God's purpose for your life. Now, when I look in this book, and, and there's so many things that I could, I could pull out, but I want to give you two things that really stuck out to make the book unique. One is, again, I love to see what the Bible calls types or typology in a book, and I love it when it's types of Christ. And so in the book of Numbers, I see uh, seven that I've given you. There's more than this, but the first one is the cloud uh, by day and the pillar of fire by night. Now you say, what's the significance of that? Well, remember that this cloud and this pillar of fire represented God, the presence of God. And so when God came down, they stayed. And when God went up, they moved. And so again, this is the type of Christ. Another one is Moses, and Moses represented as a faithful servant. Listen, Jesus, I said the verse this morning, Jesus came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So Moses here, we find, as a faithful servant, is a type of Christ. We mentioned last week, Aaron. Aaron is a type of Christ. Now, the Bible shows how Aaron was a revealer of God. He helped people to understand more about God. The holy things of God were trusted to his care, just like Jesus. He came to do his Father's will. We find that uh, Aaron was anointed. Well, Jesus, it was the Messiah. Uh, we find that his seed was blessed. And of course, because of Jesus, he's the first fruits of many that would follow after him. 
So Aaron is a type of Christ. Another one is the offering of what is known as the red heifer in chapter number 19. Now again, what this was all about was it was about the, the appointment by God. This was symbolic of salvation. And it's a wonderful story. If you don't know that, go to chapter 19, read that. Another one is the death of Aaron. Now, say we were just talking about Aaron. What about his death? Well, in chapter 20, we find that his death was known beforehand. Now, again, Jesus went to the cross, but God, Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. So de the death of Christ was known beforehand, and Jesus' death, like Aaron's, was because of sin. Not because of his sin, but it was because of our sin. And Aaron died because of sin. Aaron, too, like Jesus, was stripped of his garments. And when Aaron died, interesting, there were two men that were also there with him when he died. And Aaron died on a mount, just like Jesus did on Mount Moriah, on Mount Calvary. And so, kind of interesting, you see the death of Aaron patterns or helps us understand a little bit more about Jesus. Then here's a neat one, the, the brazen serpent. Remember how the people were being bitten by fiery serpents in the wilderness. And, uh, and they made a, a serpent out of brass on a pole. And if they looked to it, the Bible says if they looked, they would live. And it's a beautiful picture. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And listen, today, this, the answer for anyone is still, if you take your eyes off yourself and off the material things of this world and look to Jesus and Jesus alone, you'll spend eternity with the Lord. And the brazen serpent is a great illustration of how we can look to him and live. And in the cities of refuge, what a neat story there. There were these places of shelter that they could go from judgment. They could go there and, and they were, listen, the neat thing about them were they were accessible. And when I think about God, listen, we can approach God. God is accessible. Listen, if we seek him, guess what will happen? We will find him. God's not playing hide and go seek. God wants to be found, and God wants us to have a place of safety. Now listen, again, God will deal with sin, but these were places that people could go to, and the cities of refuge are a beautiful type of the Lord in the book of Numbers. Now, another thing I saw, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier, was this matter of sight and faith. When I say sight and faith, I'm talking about the difference between those 10 spies that were bad and, of course, Joshua and Caleb, who were good because they believed. Now, I've given you just this, I'll go through it real quick here, but the 10 in chapter 13, here's what they said. We be not able to go up. That was their report. But Joshua and Caleb, they said, for we are well able. They said, we don't know what they're talking about. We're able to go. You know why? Because they were walking by faith and not by sight. <clears throat> Notice the 10 said that they are stronger than we. Now again, look, <clears throat> David, David looked at Goliath. Certainly, he was outmatched, outsized, but guess what? God's bigger than Goliath. And so what did Joshua and Caleb, by faith, they said their defense is departed from them. Hey, listen, I know it doesn't look that good, but God's on our side. Then I see how that the 10 brought an evil report in chapter 13. But Joshua and Caleb said, it is an exceeding good land. Again, they're like, well, I don't know what they saw, but we certainly saw a good land. God, God was going to give them something wonderful. The ten said a land that, 
that eateth up the inhabitants. Boy, they're, they're giving such encouraging words when they came back. But Joshua and Caleb said, they are bread for us. Now listen, they're not going to eat us up. We're going to eat them up. And so understand, again, this matter of faith. How about the last one? The ten said, we are grasshoppers in their sight. And then Joshua and Caleb said, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. You know, God is on our side. And listen, that's a wonderful illustration. You're either going to live your life by faith or you're going to live your life by sight. And the Bible tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. See, what was good for them back then is still good for us now. And we must live a life of faith. Now, in the book, I see Christ being magnified a couple ways that I wanted to point out to you. The first one, long before Dwayne Johnson, is he's the rock, okay? And so we see that uh, Numbers chapter 20, look at this. Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod, he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beast also. How about that? Water from a rock. But look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 4 in the New Testament. And they did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual, notice the capital R, the spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. <laughs> what a wonderful uh, magnification of the Lord in the book of Numbers. Look at the second one. He is seen as the star. Now, the word star is indicative of a prince. And so in the book of Numbers, chapter 24, in the first part of chapter, uh, verse 17, the Bible says, And I, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob. Over in the book of Revelation, the, John the Revelator said, I, Jesus have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And so we see that he is not only the rock, he is the star. And then notice he's also seen as the scepter. Now, of course, a scepter deals with royalty. It deals with a ruler being a king, so to speak. And of course, remember the the the, the acclamation they put over Jesus, the king of the Jews. Well, listen, the Bible says he's the king of kings and lord of lords. And in the book of Numbers, we see in the last part of 2417, the Bible says, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Seth. And in the New Testament, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, thou shalt keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we see Christ being magnified here in this fourth book of the law, one of the books of the Pentateuch. Now when I look at this book, and there's so many great things, again, going back to this these, this going into the land, searching out the land, spying out the land, coming back with a report. One of those two men, I love to study. Of course, Joshua is a great study. But I love Caleb, the spirit of Caleb. And the Bible says in Numbers 14, 24, My servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me, look at the word, fully. 
not partially. He says, Caleb followed me fully. God says, him will I bring into the land wherein he went and his seed shall possess it. That spirit, that another spirit that he had to not just follow the Lord, listen to me, but to holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy follow the Lord. We need to make sure that we are doing what Caleb did and that with all of our heart, with all of our strength, with all of our soul, with all of our might, we are wholly following the Lord. And that is something that I want to do in my life till the day the Lord calls me home, is to wholly follow the Lord. Now, remember there were the two numberings. And when you come to chapter 26 in the book of Numbers, this new generation, so to speak, has come to age. And as the new generation comes on the scene, the generation that came out of Egypt is a generation that has died in the wilderness. And so preparation is being made to enter into the promised land. And that's what we're going to pick up with next week is they are getting ready to cross over and to claim what God has given to them. So listen, maybe spend some time, if you can, read some of the book of Deuteronomy. And if you want to try to get through the entire book, about five chapters or a little bit more, every day and you'll get through the entire book before we get to it next Sunday night and I hope that uh, maybe this overview of the book of Numbers has helped you. Uh, Brother uh, Gusley, you want to come grab these and that way you can have them, maybe give somebody half of them and you can stand at the doors back here. These are the other uh, overviews of the first three books that we covered. If you'd like one of those, you're welcome to it. I think we sent those out to those uh, that are at home. So let's have a word of prayer. And may God bless you this week as you live for him. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the fact that you have given us such a rich book that not only helps us to understand worshiping you in your holiness, but Lord, that when you move, we should move. And when you stop, Lord, we should just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Help us to live a life of faith and not walk by sight. And God, I pray that you'd help us to see from this book that this next generation needs us, Lord, to assume our place, to help to teach them, to train them in the ways of God. Thank you for the richness of this book. I pray that you'd help us to take it with us and not forget what we've learned tonight by your spirit. In Christ's name we pray, amen.